1: Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times. Now with goals.
2: Hello and welcome to The Game Podcast. I'm Gabriel Marcotti and this week I am especially excited because once again we have a full house. Which means no phone lines, no Skype, no telegraph, none of that. And joining us on the panel today, in addition to you know, Rory Smith and Tony Cascarino, I'm delighted we have a debutante, it's uh, uh, Kit Simons. You may know him from uh, a long career as a centre-back, where he had, the, he had the good fortune to partner very handsome, Chris Coleman, right? Chris Coleman, yeah. <laughs> Coming up, we'll be running through the draw for the Euros. I know everybody loves draw reaction; it's such interesting talk. Uh, we'll be analyzing action at Anfield. We'll do the usual quick hits, but first we have to start at the biggest club in the world, like they keep referring to themselves, Manchester United, who travel to Bournemouth. All right, there's no goalkeepers here, so nobody's going to go and I presume and stick up to Ford De Gea and explain it, but. Okay, I'm going to start with you because you've managed. And have you ever seen a ball fly over your header or, or even as a player as a centre back, a goal straight from a corner?
3: Yeah, I've had a few, few for teams that I've been playing for. We've actually scored them direct from a corner, and also conceded. And you that know, was
2: never you taking. You were never, you no. were never, you were never Phil Jones, type, never a corner centre back corner no, tip no, no. Definitely specialist.
3: Not, definitely not. No, 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 hundred percent not. But it was. I mean, obviously, it was a bit blustery conditions in his defence. But it's you know it's a mistake, goalkeeping error for sure. They do happen,
0: though, don't they? It does happen. You get, get, you get them every so often. Yeah. Certain countries, as you know, Gab, have a name for them.
2: Anybody know? You're not you're know. With your a name for them. Yeah, yes. they're known as Olympic goals. And do you know why, Rory? Uh,
0: is it the first one was, or the, the a really famous one was scored in the Olympic Stadium in Rome?
2: No, I think I think it was scored so you in the Olympic Games. There. Actually, <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> it's to do with it's to do with one that was scored in an Olympic Stadium. I think that's why. Really? Yeah. All right. you're, you're both from from different angles on lofted balls into the box but surely it is worth it because if, if a keeper comes and, and is a bit uncertain, if you, it's at least in the right area, it maximises your chances doesn't it?
1: Well not many, go- how many goalkeepers will actually come and take them type of balls most now will just try and punch them and get their hand to them, and like De Gea did he, well, tries he, to the get one, yeah. he tries to get one hand on the ball and just mistimes it and it ends up in the top mm. corner so it's a corner that you could do quite often that keepers wouldn't be literally picking them out of the air, would they?
3: The biggest biggest bugbear of mine is hitting the first man at mm-hmm. the near post, with call her. So if you
0: miss that one out, you've got a chance. I think that players who hit the first man with a corner should be fined. I think as, the, a, as a basic dead ball individual skill, it's usable and it happens Rory, far more
1: than is acceptable. If you did that, every player would be kicking it to the ov- opposite side <laughs> and there'd be a throw-in. they will be never, ever giving it uh, a low cross.
2: FYI, Diego Maradona once scored uh, a goal direct from a corner except he did it on the near post. Wow. Which is a lot more <laughs> difficult, right? Cause there's no...
0: That is a lot more difficult. Yeah. But it's I would imagine impossible. it was still a fluke.
2: Not if you ask him, no. Of course not if you asked him. But, but you say look. that?
1: How, the, the goal that they scored, and it has happened in football quite often, where a, a ball gets played into an area, windy down, it ends up in the top corner. But for the second goal, have you seen a corner came in, whipped in so low? I can't remember ever seeing a corner scored... Well, Actually,
2: this this sets us up nicely since we will be crucifying uh, United. Um, Although I don't think they played that badly overall, but the defending on the second goal. A poor. I've got Daley Blint Mm. issues. I I find him to be a very skillful player. (laughs) He's a he's a handsome boy. His dad was a great footballer. He's a a good guy. What sort
0: of issues are these with Daley Blint? If you're if the criteria that you think he's handsome, what issues have you got with him?
2: He's he's a hugely intelligent footballer who can play all sorts of different positions, but you know there's a reason that sort of the you know uh, jack of all trades master of none. On, on the second goal, he received some kind of almighty whack and got knocked over, and then he couldn't. There's no way he could recover. Can you dissect that as a centre back? So the striker gives you a shove to try to get a, a step or two. How do you explain the fact that it took him several days to go and even try to catch up with him? Did, did, he, like, did he pass him on to a teammate? Is that what he did? He said, look, I'm not going to move, and I'll just tell somebody else to mark him? Or, well, again, what? I think
3: it's that grey area. No one was quite sure what they were doing. Now, there was a nudge early doors, which upset his timing to an extent, but like I say you've got to recover a lot better than that, without doubt, and it's something it's, it's, it's that they've obviously worked on. It cost Who, them daily. Not United. No, not United. You know, no, yeah. no.
0: No, definitely not United, no. You are right, though, that the, on the... I think it was the TV... I can't, I can't remember who said it on the TV, but they sort of, going through the, the replay, they made it look as though Glenn Murray had... A, a, that was some sort of superhuman feat of strength. <laughs> where <in fact laughs> just sort of pushed him away. And Dudley Glenn sort of took this pratfall. It was remarkable. That was a worse goal to concede than the first yeah, one. Absolutely, mm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I,
2: Cass, I, I'm, I'm interested in, in sort of the dynamic here, because stepping into Van Howe's mind as a manager, we, we've seen this happen before where obviously they've got a ton of injuries right and schweinsteiger suspended but he loves he loves chucking younger players in and some some people say that when a manager does that he's kind of passing the buck because the reality is nobody's going to boo an 18 year old homegrown lad right you know in this case think three are the back four right um uh, Varela, the guy's of Borthwick Jackson, is that mm. his name? The double-barreled footballer, and of course Paddy McNair, who's who's played a bit. But mm. you're throwing all these guys in, and that's fine. But you know they're not exactly the class of '92. when at the same, by the same token, you have Ashley Young, Phil Jones, and Morgan Schneiderlin on the bench, who are all who are all veterans who've all played that position, who all you know they're all internationals. <laughs> they've all cost a fair amount of money. If you were one of those three
1: guys in that situation, how would you take it? You're you're causing a problem for yourself. You're making a rod for your own back. Because, first of all, I don't think experienced players, and Kit will probably go along with this, is that when you get a really bright youngster coming to the mould and everybody's talking about him, you train with him and you know he's absolutely going to be a first-team regular in maybe 18 months. If you're looking and thinking, they're not. And that's quite clear. Them three are not ready to be a Man United player on a regular basis. And I think all them internationals will look and think, we've been left out to players of a far lesser calibre. And I think that's where you create the problem. Because them three, Snidling's been bought for £25 million, you know, from Southampton. And he's found himself out of the team with not really doing a lot wrong. He's been asked to do a job the way the Man United are playing and he's done it OK. I just find the whole situation at United very strange. Like you say, is it a problem? Yes, it is. Them players will not like it and shouldn't like it. They are not young players who are going to be big stars at Man United in the next 18 months, five years. They're not going to be that. Okay, from a, from a
2: manager's perspective, when when you have the situation where you know, I assume you, you you try to build a relationship with with your regulars and whatever, and then something like this happens, you are kind of taking a gamble. I mean, had you, had you ever heard of Borthwick Jackson? The Johnson, started. whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, I don't, I don't mean to mock the guy, but like, there's, I presume there's a reason why he's he's what he's 18 years old, something like that. I think I think he's a he's a talent who
3: potentially will be a very good player, but as, as Tony said, like he's probably not ready to be chucked in now. You know, you put young players in when things are going particularly well. So it's easier it's, for them. It's much easier for them. Yeah, now things at United are, are not great. You know, there's no getting away from that. They're doing okay in the league, but there's certainly rumblings there and some of the natives are getting a little bit restless with the style of play and things like that so it's not easy for these young players to come in but it's probably even harder for the
0: more senior boys to be left out of it like I say that won't help the dressing room I wouldn't think Gab you, you, I agree with you when you say that, that Van Gaal is is passing the book because it, it, there's, there's an element of cynicism in playing young players in certain situations just yeah. no one boos them and you have a ready made sort of excuse but do you not find it slightly suspicious as well that he does seem to it's great that he encourages young players but at the same time does that not suggest that he's he maybe looks at the senior players and thinks i can't fit them into this exact mold that i want and therefore i have to go with someone who who i can shape precisely to my desires so if you look at the players that he's kind of alienated you do wonder whether van haal's a little bit too i don't know mm. prescriptive with what he wants from his players
2: no I, I i i would definitely take that point that and he has said this in the past very dogmatic brilliant ideas but you know, he he wasn't gonna go and che g- the system came first, right? Yeah. That's always been the rep against him. What's a bit difficult to understand is if the system comes first and you've spent, you know, absurd amounts in the last two years and you brought in a whole load of players, surely you'd get guys who fit the system, who fit what you want to do. Um Well
0: yeah, and there's no there's no question that what if you look at that squad, the fact that he's playing young players, they went into this season with one senior left back. Specialist left back. I know Blint and, and Ashley Young can play there, but. And Rojo. And Rojo can play there, but Luke Shaw is their only proper specialist left yeah. back. They're short up front. He sorted out the midfield, to be fair, but it's. Right. With the money that they've spent, that's it's baffling.
2: Well, that brings us on to the signings in Woodward 8. I was struck by something. I don't know if uh, if you guys read James Ducker's piece the day after elimination. Mm -hmm. And it struck me that this is something that... We talked about how United do these briefings where to maintain plausible deniability, they get somebody from the club, you can guess who it is, but his name's not Louis, who goes and he talks to the media and he tells them what United are going to do. But you can't quote him. You know, they can maintain deniability, but, you know, it Mm. comes direct from the club. And Ducker had this story on Thursday, this is the day after, where they talk about how... They now plan to go and sign Bale, Ronaldo, and, and Neymar, and they're going to go and try to do it. But it could be tough because you know the Premier League is just such a difficult league, and and all these people you know would presumably enjoy playing in Spain, where everybody lies down for you, as Tony Pulis um, of all people reminded us on on uh, on Sunday night. This is pure misdirection. This is this is this is them sitting there and saying you know what, if I tell Ducker I'm going to go and try again to sign Bale, Ronaldo and Neymar, he'll write a piece about that rather than writing a piece about how much we bite the big one, right? I, I,
0: at the same time, it's, it is not untrue that United are working on right. deals to sign Neymar, Bale and Ronaldo. It's but not untrue. Only, they, only in the sense that every major club in the world is continually calling people's people's people and saying, well, you know, if if, if this happens and this happens, would you fancy coming along? I, I, what I enjoyed about, about that Theory in particular was that, as Ducker wrote, is that United's thinking is that Neymar, Bale, and Ronaldo would would come if it wasn't for the fact that they they, they can just sort of steamroll these minnows in Spain every week. Right. Um. Although obviously Real Madrid didn't get on great last night. No, yeah, so
2: Barcelona dropped points too.
0: Maybe it's not as easy as everybody says it is. Yeah. Um, also,
2: isn't Gareth Bale from this country? He
0: certainly is. Yeah. But yeah. no. But, but the main thing <laughs> is that the um. <laughs> You think these players might not come because they're psychologically weak, weak and therefore want to play against <laughs> rubbish sides all the time. Why on <laughs> earth do you want to sign them? The logic is, is ridiculous. United have a real problem, which is they are there's a rude word for it but they are obsessed with signing sort of celebrities. They don't need celebrities, they need a, a full balanced squad where they have different options and players who fit into Van Hal's system.
2: You mentioned celebrities there. I think it's I'm trying to think who the Bournemouth's biggest celebrity is maybe Archer Boritz. Maybe Eddie Howe himself. The most famous player they've got is Sylvan Distant. There you go, yeah. Sylvan Distant, who I believe is forty now or Seventy three. Something something like that. <laughs> these guys come up and they keep the squad intact and even though none of these players have Premier League experience, which is supposedly so important, they go and they more than hold their own. Uh in the same way to be fair that Burnley did last year. You know, it's not like I know they went down, it's not like they were getting they were losing six or seven. No, you're shaking your head.
1: Right? No, 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 I was going right. to... Okay. That. okay. Right. Oh, okay. so that's not in my head. <laughs> Shack in my head is that. Okay. Not right. in my head right. is that. Okay. Not if you're in Bulgaria, <laughs> where um, it's
0: opposite. Interesting fact.
2: What I find curious here is they spent some money in the summer and they got guys who they thought were going to be really important for them, like like Max Rydell and, um, and Tyrone Mings. And then these guys get hurt. So that to me suggests that you know, maybe they, were, they actually thought, right, we need an upgrade, but then their new guys get hurt and so they go back to the old guys... And the old guys are punching above their weight, right? We're doing well. Is it really that different that a well-drilled championship player can go can't go to the Premier League and not embarrass the,
3: himself? No, there is a there is a gulf between the championship and the, and the Premier League, without a doubt. But let's like say the top bomber for a top side last year, obviously in the championship, did exceptionally well. Played a great style of football, easy on the eye, but also the the work ethic of the whole squad was tremendous. They didn't make too many changes. But when they did, individuals came in, slotted straight in, again, to the system and the style of play. Talking about maybe Man United having backups in certain areas. Bournemouth haven't got a huge squad. But anyone who steps in, slots in seamlessly, it appears. And and like I say, the the, the work ethic and the closing and the pressing as well, the high-intensity game they play, is tremendous. And it's, it's quite well suited to the Premier League. Everyone thought they'd be a bit too open. And they got hurt with a couple of results early on. But they were quite unfortunate in a lot of these games, even looking, was it... They lost to the Villa first game of the season. Mm-hmm. They won it late they on. away,
1: it. they lost. They could have won.
3: And exactly, yeah. So even some of the results they've had, they've been very unlucky. Mm-hmm. The, the poor results they've had, and they've had a, a long list of injuries, like you spoke about. But he's, Eddie Howe's not moaned about it. He's got on with it, and they've done tremendously well, and you can see him keeping on doing that. Really, but, and, and, Wilson was the blow,
0: wasn't it? Wilson was the one that was yeah, the biggest. That, blow. that was the point where you started to worry about yeah, when, yeah. when they lost Wilson. But I tell you, the, the one who, who who I like at Bournemouth more that maybe doesn't get mentioned is Charlie Daniels, yeah. the left back. Who's a very modern left back. And he's another one that I think, like, Ar- like Arta and possibly O'Kane, has come through not just the championship, but come through from the, the lower reaches Wasn't of the
1: game.
2: Francis, like that too?
1: See, I, I, I don't think Bournemouth do ever a plan A or a plan B, I think that Eddie Auer has a plan A that they stick to and although certain people might not fit perfectly into it, he can still get away with what he what he wants to do and that is to do what Kit said, play fast football, high tempo football, good passing and they do it brilliantly
2: We have to move on to, mm. to Anfield because we've, we've, we've talked a lot about, about Liverpool this season and obviously it's dramatic I want to get something quickly on the offside decision obviously Jonas Olsen was offside and with him other people I, I watched Match of the Day too last night I still don't quite know what the assistant was doing because they they mentioned that he was waiting to see if one of the other players had touched the ball I, I'm not sure what they no, were I,
0: think what Olsen, I thought Olsen handled it very well Olsen said that he thought the linesman and it's only what Olsen thinks the linesman initially thought that it was an own goal didn't realise that it just Sturtle if you look Sturtle is chasing back when the ball gets there there's four or five of them offside Olsen's explanation was maybe the linesman thought it was an own goal and when the referee said it wasn't
2: it then became offside I thought Olsen handled it really well I'm not a referee Alan Shearer however is a referee he got all wound up and he said it doesn't matter who touches the ball because they're all offside and they're still moving that towards is, the that goal. is
0: not the correct interpretation anymore I think we've all lost any knowledge whatsoever of what the actual interpretation is but as far as I know contradicting you, you have to touch it <laughs> amazingly yes I am contradicting and his, and his knowledge of refereeing my favourite bit on, on Match of the Day 2 was and I'm loath to criticise commentators so they do a very difficult job was when the, the, the shot cut to was it Craig porson the referee Yes, and the and the linesman Ruling it out, and the commentator just went, "There's been dialogue, as though it was the worst thing <laughs> in the entire world. They've, they've spoken to each other. It's a disaster."
2: Not just that; they're also <laughs> wired up. Yeah, yeah, Speak yeah. to each other all the time. No, There's the right um, decision.
0: You, you can't complain too much if, if they reach the right decision. it right. Doesn't matter how they get there, really.
2: I want to talk about something that really, really wound up on Twitter. Our old boss. So, at the end of the game, for those who have no idea what went on. Liverpool, I thought, played well at the beginning, then less well, they went 2-1 down, and they scored this dramatic equalizer in the 96th minute. And at the end of the game, they do this thing, which which is funny again, because people are like, oh, but it's quite common in Germany. Like, oh, sorry, so that's okay, right? It doesn't matter that it's different. Nobody does it here. They all hold hands, and they go, and they run down under the cop and they sort of salute the fans, right? Which oh. looks weird and foreign. And that, I think, upset some of the traditionalists that, you know, it is a choo-choo draw against freaking West Brom. Right? Only
0: in England would people get upset, despite all the complaints about, oh, you know, the teams have lost their connection to the fans. Only in England would people get upset by a team doing something to say thank you to we, the we fans. We know
2: what side you're going to be on, right? We we, this The
0: side this out. of
2: logic but and reason, Cass. Okay. I want to chuck it to you guys. Cass. <laughs> I want to chuck it to you guys because you do see players acknowledging the fans. Sometimes it's you know players who suck up a little, perhaps to the fans. But you know even after a defeat, but all it takes is you turn towards the stand, you clap, and then you turn towards the other stand and you do it while you walk off the pitch, right?
3: Cops obviously trying to massively get the whole club together, and he was quits people. Do you have a people, problem with it? people leaving early? after a 2-2 draw I'm a little bit sort of surprised by it maybe but if, if it's going to be consistent with that and that's going to be them mm. applauding the fans the way they're going to do it consistently
0: Kit makes a really good point though That I think there was a message in there which is not just I th- I, my initial interpretation I was not Lane, but my initial interpretation was he's saying the players need to kind of re- appreciate the fans and the fans will appreciate the players more but yeah, also mutual. there was a there was the, the message was if you stay till the end you get a bit of a treat he is clearly very upset and I can imagine why actually, that he's come from Dortmund where they have possibly yeah. the best atmosphere in Europe and he's come to England and found that don't make that face jab I said possibly the best atmosphere in Europe they have one of the, the most kind of atmospheric grounds in Europe and he's come to England and he's worked out what we've all known but don't really talk about which is the, a- the atmosphere in English grounds is appalling mm, especially at the big point. clubs That's the, the right atmosphere point. in England see, is terrible and I think Klopp would probably be quite mm. disappointed by it
1: see I, I was lucky enough to play for Marseille and the relationship between the players and the fans was incredible I can remember coming back from an away game, five supporters, of the, le- the heads of the groups, the Yankees, the winners, the, the whoever, all the they got on the bus. And I remember thinking, what are they doing on the bus? <laughs> Get off the bus, they're <laughs> all in their scarves wrapped around their head, and they've got their shirts off. We'd lost the game. And Bernard Tappy, the chairman at the time, and allow them to get on the bus. And they literally told us what they thought of us. And I remember thinking, this is one of my early experiences, but wow, well, by the end, I thought it was strange, I just couldn't believe that they were allowed yeah. to yeah. tell us on a bus, i just finished a gab, but over the two and a half years I was there, the relationship between the fans and the players was extraordinary, that you created a winning mentality. And I, I agree with what Rory and Kip sort of saying, "You're creating, trying to create something that is certainly been missing in re- the recent years in English football." It's not just yeah, German, no, no. German yeah, teams
0: do do this yeah, after yeah. every, pretty much every game, pretty yes, much no. yeah. But
1: it's not just Roma
0: German.
2: do it every single game. Atalanta do it. It's not most countries in Europe do it. Do it but, exactly. But there's a difference though, and while it can be fantastic in some ways, mm. it can also get extremely unhealthy. Marseille being a brilliant example mm. of this, I would suggest mm. Roma as well. What what can happen? I know players who've done this. Is that the club? Let's, let's say when when you were managing Fulham, right? Let's say you guys lost a game and stuff. So you know you, they want you to go over and so the fans, so the fans can insult you and tell you what an absolute waste <laughs> of space you guys are. So that's supposed to motivate you, right? That's the thinking. Um, other situations at Atalanta. I mean, they've got very hardcore ultras. They come to the training ground to motivate the players all the time. Right, which I'm assuming as a manager, you probably wouldn't necessarily enjoy. It's just English fans are just a lot more passive, right? I mean, and, and less engaged. You, you would agree with that? No, right? no. I think I think I that, think, so. I think, I think that that's harsh. I
0: think that the. English fans express themselves differently and one fan culture is not better than another.
2: I'm not suggesting it's better. But but...
0: I I think English, what Cass says is right, I think English fans have become more passive than they used to be. Mm. I'm not saying that we get into a Lazio situation where they go and dump manure at the training ground. Mm. At the end of the game, the players going across to to where the the majority of the, the hardcore fans are and saying thanks for your support, I think is... It's really weird it's that we would even think that's now. negative.
1: There's a fine line between like what you've said of that relationship with the fans being very special and unique and then becoming over the line. There were incidents at Marseille, one player came out of the car park and got his car turned over because fans were unhappy with him. You know, and them sort of incidents, Was he playing badly? Mark Libera, you remember the guy that played for Norwich and Marseille yes. and up in Scotland? He had his car turned over. God, that you was know. a bad Marseille sign, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. No. <laughs> he, was, he was a young lad who got into the team, boy. But, you know, this, this, that, like you said, it sometimes can cross a line. Right. What happened at the end with a handshake? Does anybody know? Oh. <laughs> who
0: cares? Who cares about handshakes? Kit, Do you care about handshakes?
2: Have you ever not shaken an opposing manager's hand who, who offered his hand to you?
0: No, I haven't.
3: I would, I would always shake hands with people. Even if it was somebody you didn't like? like. Yeah, I think I'll just do it. I would, might not look at them particularly, but look them in you would, the yeah, kit. You'd, yeah, you'd offer them a hand and <laughs> you'd
0: do that anyway. But Kit, how, how, how old are you? you young-looking,
3: young-looking, forty-four.
0: You're a very young-looking forty-four. You're a forty-four-year-old man. You, you qualify as an adult, just if someone, loosely. Yes. If someone didn't shake your hand, would you be really upset? Um, I'd be a bit put out by it. On okay, a,
3: yeah, this, it's, out of respect, yeah, in in the arena oh, of a you know after yeah. a game of football, you would you would expect that in this country. I know. Again, it's a cultural thing. Not, not all countries doing it. We're getting a lot of foreign
1: managers coming over now. now. So. Tony's upset quite a few managers along the way. I think he makes it very feisty on the sidelines. And a lot of things that we don't know get said. I've always felt that with Tony, with his Stokes sides, his West Brom. Hey, he wants to get results and he'll take huge delight out of it. In some ways, he won't even be bothered. he want to intimidate. He's tried to do that before. And I think Klopp probably didn't think that was going to happen in England. I, th- I think they're
3: both two of the more animated managers on the bench I don't think either of them will be worried about not shaking hands they won't be worried by it the two guys in question so I don't think we should worry too much there is a, brilliant, about there is it, a anyway. brilliant
0: line in Tony Barrett's match report, which is a brilliant match report, where he says, because they both obviously came out afterwards and refused to say what happened and what upset them. And Barrett says something along the lines of you know, what happens in managerial fight, fight club stays in managerial fight club, apart from all of the incidents that played out in front of 44,000 people.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk a minute about Tony Pulis and, and, and his football. When he was at Stoke, Especially early, early on, when it was really just just long ball and, and big burks, I, I sort of thought, "There's no, but you can't stay up in the Premier League playing like this." They did stay up. He proved me wrong. I think he adjusted it and it evolved a little bit during his time there. I look at West Brom now, and I saw that team yesterday with like the, 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 the four center halves, Johnny Evans in midfield. It seemed to annoy Klopp aesthetically. Anyway, it works. Why don't you Why don't you play that way? <laughs> <laughs> I,
3: know, I know Tony quite well. I did my my pro license. I was sitting on a table with with Tony um, all the way through. He's, he's a great guy. He's a real good guy. Cool. He's a winner. There's no airs and graces about him. He's, he's from a, a tough background, and he he's a tough lad. Like, and he'll, he'll get the job done that he sees fit. It's different styles, you know, different horses. Why do it? It's not my, my style of play, and it's, it's not the way I set my teams out. But well, why not? I'm not saying there's one, there's not one right mm. or one, no, no, I'm not one saying wrong that,
2: way. I mean, what, what are the potential flaws of playing that way?
1: Why do you choose not to do that? Do you want me to give you one? Yeah. I said to Kip before we come on, can you name one player that Tony Pulitz has sold? Can you name one?
0: Cass has been banning this drum for about a week. He mentioned it to me last, last time oh, I yeah. saw him.
1: Because I've got a real demo right, my yeah. Because the style doesn't really entice you to be able to, be able to, be able to go and sell players that... It's sort of a brand of football that is effective, but, right, but doesn't... That's not,
2: that's not really his... I mean, Tony Pulis would, would say, and I think rightly so, that his job is to get points and keep his and team... And to
1: sell players and to make money for a football club. That's no, part it's it. Yes, it is, Gab. Of course you do. You, okay. you buy Sorry. players, you sell players. If you, you look got... at Stoke's net,
2: net spend while him. he was there, clearly it was not to make money for the club because they, 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 they didn't...
0: No, but even if you yeah. take that away, Cass is right. It's, an, it's interesting that Stoke managed to come up Stay up for four years on the Yeah. and not one. And big do club. really well. I'm not I really well. Do well. And not one big club came and thought we'll have him. That does suggest that the that the style is effective and it gets points and all that, but it doesn't create stars. And there is there's a, there's a lesson mm. in there
2: somewhere. Mm. Moving on to our debates today, we've got three, which means they'll all be brief. The European Championship draw was held on Saturday because we obviously have an understandably Anglo bias here or British Isles bias. Northern Ireland are in a group with Germany, Ukraine, and Poland. Ireland are in a group with Belgium, Italy, and uh, Sweden. Not particularly good draw, I would think, for for Martin Mm -hmm. O'Neill. England are with Russia, Wales, and Slovakia. Now, I know the format's changed. 16 of 24 go through. I'll start with you since you're Welsh. Who will you be supporting, England or Wales? (laughs) I'm just
3: kidding. Um...
2: (laughs) Do you feel pretty good about this draw, given...?
3: Yeah, pretty good. I've, I've messaged Chris, obviously, since the draw. I was actually with with Roy and, and Ray Lou yesterday about it, and we were, we were sort of chatting, and we don't see any reason why we both can't get through that group. Because you, you think
2: know? you're so superior to Mother Russia and Slovakia?
3: I wouldn't say so superior, but we, we fancy our chances. You know, we, we sort of owe Russia one for the, the playoffs a few years back. So we're really, really pleased to be there, obviously. First time since 58 we qualified for a major tournament, but we're not going to make the numbers up when we're looking to qualify from the group and we think we've got every chance. The
2: Welsh can get through that group. I was talking to Roy Hodgson at the draw and I made the point. Name dropper. What? <laughs> Name <laughs> dropper. Yeah, I'm sorry. I want to add some legitimately <laughs> some when I can. And I made the point that somebody had asked me like, Ooh, what do you think England starting 11 you know, is going to be on when, when the tournament starts on June 8th or whatever. And it occurred to me that Maybe there's maybe like three players who I think are guaranteed starting spots. I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I thought Hart, I presume. Mm-hmm. Henderson is if fit. And remember, he is fit now. Mm-hmm.
1: Ford areas is difficult.
2: Sterling, mm-hmm. I think, will start. I don't know if there's anybody else who will, we can say will definitely start. Smalling. You could can, you can throw what? Smalling okay, fine, All right, Nostradamus has spoken, but what, no, but you know, it's fine, but then you can also, you can easily say like, what if Stones and, and, and Cahill have a monster end of the season and mm. Chelsea win the Champions League, mm. he's had, he's also had so many injuries, so many, it's so difficult for, it's been more difficult for him to build a team, I think, than any other manager.
3: C- think- certainly we, Wales also had a far more settled side, you know, we've got mm. fewer players yeah. to pick from, um, and we've been, you know, we reasonably lucky with, with injuries throughout the campaign, so, we're a
2: much more settled side and settled mm. team. Which, which and even when your, get, when your second best player gets hurt, and Aaron Ramsey, you don't even miss him because the guy who comes in does, does even does, does almost as well.
3: Well, we played you know, played the the Netherlands last friendly, and no Bale, no Ramsey, and you know we still played some good football. So listen, that, those are two yeah. top yeah. players for us. But we're not; it's not a one man team. Now Bale is; it's huge without doubt, and, and Ramsey's an excellent player for us. What counts as success for Wales?
2: Quarterfinals. If we,
3: if we get through the group, is is a great achievement, yeah. you know. Like I say, we're pleased to be there, but you you can't go mm-hmm. just to make the numbers up. And the mentality within the whole squad, the the staff, everything, it won't be for that. It'll be to go and expect to get through, and do everything we can.
1: Anything. Else, stand out for anybody? The reason what you said earlier, I think the, the England forward line is so because of what Vardy's doing, mm-hmm. and people just do will right. not think he will play. Okay, no, anything in- on England that stand out for you? Well, I think the Irish. And the whole of the groups? Yes. Of the, groups? the Irish well, and
0: the Northern Irish have, have both been quite unfortunate, I think. I think Northern we've
1: been very, Well, one thing that stood out, and I mentioned in the paper today that we came up against three very big centre-forwards in Hebronwich for Sweden, obviously Lukaku Benteke who could play for for Belgium and the final one with Pella playing for Italy and we haven't been very good at dealing with big centre-forwards because we've got Keogh at Derby, Derby, does well, battles (laughs) away, Uh, John O'Shea, not so good as he's been, Kieran clark has been injured for Ireland, so we've got a real difficult problem because we've not been good against, the, for me, the big target man that some of these teams use.
0: I think France have got a really easy draw. <laughs> Ridiculously, I think that the Swiss, Swiss, um, Swiss baffle me a bit because they've got some really good players, but they just they seemed there were it's really good storyline Switzerland playing Albania. Switzerland-Albania is a brilliant story. That's a great story. Just of Kosovo, um, just like half the Albanian side was born in Switzerland. Obviously, Austria-Hungary in Group F is a great the the, the Franz Josef Derby as I'm going to yeah. nickname it.
2: Cristiano Ronaldo versus Iceland. Iceland.
0: Yeah, I I think Iceland That's right. can get through that group. And I also, but mind you, the Austrians are a good side. They'd be, they'd be a dark horse for me, Austria. Mm-hmm. They've got some good players. And the Northern Irish, uh, it might depend how they deal with Yarmolenko and um, Kronoplyanka.
2: I think it's a tremendous matchups, but I think, it's, I think the winner's going to be one of six, seven countries, and I think they're all going to get through. Three clear favourites in Spain, France, and... Um in Germany, according to the bookies. I think the winner might well come from outside them because I think there are some, some big flaws with all three of them. Right. Uh, Swansea have uh, um, parted ways with their manager, Gary Monk. Cass, I get the impression that we all praise Swansea because they're such a well run club and they've shown that, you know, whether it's Paulo Souza or Brendan Rodgers or Roberto Martinez, um, it doesn't really matter because the system's good, and so Mm. if the manager changes, you you sort of expect to slot another guy in. Is that the case, and will the new new guy who takes over necessarily need to slot into that and understand that he's not going to be some sort of Sam Allardyce, Sir Alex Ferguson, all-powerful figure at the club?
1: Well, it's... What Chelsea did with being successful, they kept changing the managers and kept kept doing it. And they always Swansea, have the same owner. <laughs> well, and same owner, and yet Swansea, you know, have let managers go. Like you said, the likes of Laudrup and now Gary Monk, and Gary Monk was one point less than Chelsea, and he lost his job, which seems pretty incredible. That's
2: because Chelsea are pretty bad now. Yeah, You'd they are kind of pretty true, bad, but it?
1: it's still, you know, it's a first period he's really had to deal with, hasn't it? If you think of his, what, two years in well, uh, Swansea? last season was remarkable well, well, right, you know, in eighth. Swansea finished yeah. 8. Okay. It's so the analytics
2: years. types that I know you're on board with you and Absolutely. Arsene Wenger. I don't know what you make of them kit but Tell
0: me about the XG.
2: They would tell you that actually Swansea were incredibly lucky last season and they really should be in the relegation zone right now because they've been lucky again this season even though they're they're not that good. Now this is these are people who work with models and whatever it doesn't mean that they get it right all the time because
1: like the because, weather. Because what
2: happens is what like the weather. Like what do we because when you talk to these people right and they come out and they tell you oh but you know, oh, we had so and so as the seventh best team in the Bundesliga, and they won the title. And you're like, oh, so there's a problem with the model. Like, no, no. Sometimes you can just be lucky for a very long time, which I suppose is true. But <laughs> do you think that they've they've actually been good under Gary Monk?
0: You well, I've said funny. I saw them quite a lot last season, Swansea, quite and great. and they've got they've got some good players. They yeah, no, but that's down football. to Gary Monk.
2: They, do no, they not. Good, do they do play good football.
0: They do play decent football. They're not always great, but I think the thing that we shouldn't forget is it it's Swansea. Like it's it's not this isn't Man City struggling, this is Swansea who still have one of the lowest wage bills in the division, which as we all know defines who wins football matches. They have without question that their form's been bad, they've won one in ten. No matter what club you work at, you win one in ten, you're done a struggle to keep your job. Okay. But there's two things. One is I'm surprised that they were so quick to relatively quick to get rid of Munt given his connection with the club, given that all he's done for the club, given that they finished eighth last season. The thing that really surprises me, no succession plan. Which is which is rare for Swansea.
2: Do we know that or did they have when I kept it we so hidden maybe... We know
0: they've spoken to a couple of people in the last three weeks, say, to sound them out. Is one of them David Moyes? Uh, I don't know. But I wouldn't have thought so, I don't think Moyes fits in with Swansea's kind of... Look oh, come on, you're Welsh, you know. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: no, have they spoken to you?
2: They haven't spoken to me. Not yet, but my phone's on. That's what <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to ask, actually, about way, because we, 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 we joked about this, and I don't... Actually, know To what degree analytics came into the it came into the the decision? For my money, I thought you know they've been a little bit unlucky. I think there's a different team when Montero's fit mm. and mm-hmm. playing to playing like Montero, and obviously I think Shelby's missed uh, a bunch of games uh, as well. What's your take on this? analytics Lark do you when, when somebody comes to you and says like you're feeling good about yourself because you won 2-0 and come to says actually you know you deserve to lose 0.7 to 2.3
3: yeah it's, it's, it's becoming a, a bigger and bigger part of the game um, and there's no getting away from it I, and I think it needs to um, it does need to be embraced but also it needs to be taken for what it is it's not the be all and end all it needs to work in conjunction with Old style management, if you like, the man management, the understanding the the dynamic. No, but I mean, of a in terms of players. assessing
2: assessing the results, right? Is the table more important to you, or is it like Have you been in situations where maybe you get a couple of good results, and you're like, yeah, but I need to work on stuff because we've been pretty lucky, or the reverse, where you think you're doing everything right and Always. the results are bad? I think, but I
3: think you know the, the stats. You can look at the stats, and they can tell you certain things without, and they do without a doubt, and certain uh, things aspects of the game you need to work on. Like I say, it, plays, it does play a huge part these days, but it needs to be used for what it is. It can't, it can't dictate and actually run the football club, and that's quite a few are going down that road now. It's, I, it's, it's massively important. Can I now. ask
1: you a question, Kit? Because one issue I've, I had with it is sometimes is the fact how much time do really managers have to go down that road as well, apart from all the other jobs they have to do at a football club? Well,
3: this is the thing, especially championship championship football, yeah, the games come thick and fast, you know, you're generally yeah. two games a week, you know, you can't do everything. You can't, mm. you know. But you, you need to do as much as you can and when you're doing your analysis on games, you look at the stats and try and take them into account as well and, and
2: you know, use it for what it is. While we tape this uh, we're cool. going to talk a little bit about Champions League draw because it, it, it took place right now in, in, in real time and Rory says it's his favorite draw e- ever and that's why we're all dying to know why Rory likes it so much Maybe because all those foreign teams he loves are all going to advance and all the English clubs are going out I will quickly run you through the ties. It's uh, Paris Saint-Germain against Chelsea oh. Arsenal against Barcelona <laughs> oh. Dynamo Kiev against Man City Roma against Real Madrid. Wonder if Rafa'll still be around. Uh-huh. The one we're all waiting for. Ghent against Wolfsburg. Juve against Bayern. PSV Eindhoven against Atlético de Madrid, and Benfica Zenit. Why didn't you
0: pronounce those in the correct accents? What? Do but you did you did PSV and Atlético de Madrid. Why don't you do? <laughs> Benfica and Zenit in the correct accents.
2: That's Come for you to know and you define. find Come out. on, do it. <laughs> Why do you love this draw so much?
0: Uh, well, I love it because...
2: Because all the big teams are playing each other? I think
0: Ghent against Wolfsburg is just a great tie. I think Ghent is the best story in the Champions League by Mark. No, I love it because...
2: Well, sorry, stop talking about Ghent. Nobody cares. It's hilarious, about the big clubs, it's
0: hilarious that Chelsea and Arsenal have got PSG and Barcelona. Right, not, right? not for them, obviously.
1: I just feel for Arsenal. I think it's a terrible draw for them. So, mm. You're nodding, so you agree?
2: You think Arsenal can't be. Uh, you. Th- they can. Do you maybe. support
1: the English clubs in Europe?
2: Yeah, I'd obviously like the English clubs well. to do Shouldn't well. you be supporting yeah, no, like I still Barry best. Town. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. I'm just am thinking of Suarez running behind Murta Saka. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Cass looks really depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I a Murta Tell thing, you what, it's right a, good draw, <laughs> a good draw
0: for City, though. That is a good draw for City. No do respect
2: you, for Gina Mukir. You know, this
0: is the, Kiev's first time in the knockout stages since 2000.
2: I did not. Thank That's you. That's amazing. Okay, can I point something out? Like I, I love the whole sort of sliding doors aspect of football. On the final day of, I am actually six of the Champions League, uh, City of course played uh, played Gladbach, right? And they were they, they were losing at some point, yeah, if I'm not Gladbach. mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, and they go back and they win. In the meantime, Juventus are away to a Seville team who are eliminated, nothing to play for. If you ever just get a draw, mm. then they win the group ahead of City. And they get to go play Dinamo Kiev and City are stuck <laughs> playing Bayern Munich. So it's amazing how these yeah, little yeah, details yeah. can create a whole parallel version of history. And I'll tell you what, with City playing Dynamo, and with some not so fancy teams on Playpers advancing, this means that Pellegrini's got, potentially, things are lining up for him. to to look at the semi-finals maybe even more well yeah
0: if you look at that to be fair
2: and then you
1: wonder if he's going to hang on to his job next year so Juve they they,
2: they lost in Seville didn't they They lost they Mm. contrived to lose to Seville somehow
0: Fernando Mm. Llorente former Juve player exactly Uh, if you look at that obviously Bayern and Barca you'd think would go through in Real Madrid uh, and and City PSG Chelsea is quite difficult to call if Mm. Chelsea managed to find some form but then you, you don't got, have to. You've you're got Gento. A- well, if well, if they haven't, Jose Mourinho. If they don't find form between now and then, Jose Mourinho's not the manager against PSG. He might be the PSG manager. Uh, Gent Wolfsburg is is you, City would fancy playing either of them. Ben Benfica or Zenit. PSV or Atletico. City could have three relatively kindly draws
2: if they go through. I won't tell Avb that. Now it's Quickies. time for the favorite part of the show. Kit, very very simple. You will have 20 seconds to answer. After 20 seconds, I'll be playing an annoying sound effect. And at 25 seconds, I'll be playing an even more annoying one. And then I'll start shouting over you. Let's begin. Romelu Lukaku scores in Everton's 1-1 draw with Norwich. And it's now six in a row for the big Mm. man. Cass, as a fellow target man centre forward, please critique Lukaku's development. Mm. How is he similar to Cass? And how is he different?
1: (laughs) He's playing like the forward that should be playing for a team in the Champions League, scoring goals at will. The only criticism I could say of him that he's not converting enough of his chances because he probably scored the hardest one on Saturday against Norwich that he had. When the cross got whipped in, it was a difficult header and he converted it, but he's had better chances in other games and hasn't taken them. Just as some of us thought Tottenham were ready to
2: storm into the top four, they messed it up at home, losing 2-1 to Newcastle United and failing to hang on to a lead against said Newcastle United, managed by one Steve McLaren. Rory, you were there. Describe your part in the epic failure And uh, defend your boy Pochettino I'm not sure it has
0: anything to do with me But the, it was what very Are
2: you it, like, kind of like a bad luck charm? It it was. Like,
0: yeah they tend not to win when I'm there To be exactly. fair, I know I was there for the West Ham game they, It was very Tottenham to be Kind of on the cusp of leapfrogging United And to manage to lose Their form has tailed off a little bit They only drew at West Brom last week uh, As well they've started to drop points That they shouldn't be dropping I think that might be partly to do with inexperience And the youth of the side But they are very good And I think they'll finish in the top
2: four Ooh, still believing in the poch. Nice, nice one there. Speaking of Newcastle, it's two wins in a row for um, Steve McLaren, who's hailed as a genius for bringing on Mitrovic and Ayozo Perez late on, late only for both to end up on the score sheet. Uh, Kate, okay, you've been there. Is there an element of luck in playing the percentages when you make a sub and the guy goes to score, or is it actual managerial uh, genius? Or is it managerial stupidity? Because if these guys are so good, why didn't you start them?
3: I think there's a, there's a little bit of all of that involved um, in making substitutions you know quite often you would look to change the game if it's maybe uh, bringing on a bit of pace to upset the opposition you know there's there's lots of different reasons for doing it now certainly on yesterday's one I think um, you know Perez scored the winner last season in a 2-1 win so you know I'm sure McLaren would have probably been mindful of that fact and and knew that he was capable of doing it and obviously Mitrovic comes on and scores as well so certainly inspired.
2: Watford win at Sunderland and move up to 7th place, just four points away from a Champions League spot. Cass, they've already busted this whole Premier League experience myth. What is their secret?
1: Oh, well, obviously they've got two boys. I know what Mahrez and Vardy have done for Leicester, but Dini and um, Igalu have done incredible, getting goals. And they've defended far better. I thought Watford would really struggle coming up in the top flight because they've managed to keep more clean sheets than I would have suspected. And that's very good team ethic.
2: Manchester City face Swansea and Huff and Puff and need a last-ditch winner with uh, Yaya Torre's shot bouncing off uh, Iconacho's back in a freak goal and trickling into the back of the net. Rory, right. what is the problem? We keep talking about this. They're supposed to be the best team out there. They're the best players. Why? Well, if Why?
0: You, if you listen to... It's upsetting! Um, if you listen to all punditry ever, it is purely the the the... the, the Non-appearance of the inspirational presence of Vincent Kompany, despite the fact that I'm pretty sure last season we kept criticising Vincent Kompany for not being as good as he used to be. Uh, I think injuries. Well, have dis- even
2: worse when he's not playing, right?
0: I think injuries have disrupted their they're planning to an extent. Aguero, Silva, you know, they've, they've lost players. Nasri, obviously, maybe De Bruyne and Sterling need a bit of time Nasri. to settle. But you want, you do wonder with City where there's, there's just something broader, that there's there's not quite that same hunger that they need to kind of win games consistently. They seem to think that they will win them just by turning up. Maybe a little bit of
2: complacency. Arsenal, at least until Leicester beat up and put 10 past Chelsea tonight, are top of the table. Kit, when everybody got hurt, we thought the wheels were going to come off. How could they cope without Coughlin and Sanchez and and especially Santi Casorla? But instead, they, they sort of keep winning, and partly it's to do... and. Wenger and Rory's excellent piece even brought up expected goals to Ramsey playing in a central position, which is weird because then we thought he couldn't play in a central position for Arsenal and Casorla was a better option. Can you talk a little bit about what changes when he's in the middle? Instead of a guy like Gasol who's got different skill set.
3: Yeah, exactly. I think you know Arsenal have, have struggled, or Aaron especially has struggled because they're trying to get all their best players into the team. And generally, he's the one who has to play in a wider area, but he, he wants to play central, and he's better central. I think I'm, I'm sure Arsene Wenger actually knows that, but it is a case of getting all his best players in the team. But when he, when he plays Aaron, I think Carzol, fantastic on the ball, great talent, great player, but Aaron's more likely to to run forward without the ball and take up positions higher up the pitch, without the ball, make more third man runs. Whereby Carzola is more that ball player and will pick it up in deeper areas and then look to run at people with the ball. Aaron can dribble, but he'll also make, he's more athletic, I think, will make more lung busting runs into the box, i.e., the goal yesterday, you know, running from Windsor tackle in his own half, deep in his own half, plays it and and then runs forward. You know, he's got the capacity and the ability to do that. So he just brings a different dynamic to that Arsenal team. Listen, both are good options.
2: Maybe Arsenal more multifaceted well, than why, we give can credit oh, for. Why
1: didn't the phone go off there? We were interested what? in his answer. Because his
2: answers were interesting. Every week he's like that with you, staring across you with
1: phone, like with these phone. doing it. He's listening there without even looking at his
0: phone. Uh, Gab, I have a question for you. And it's not a very interesting question. I hear this is the week when we'll find out if Michelle Platini's dreams of a FIFA presidency are shattered forever. And I, for one, am a god to find out whether that's the case. Please give me more information.
2: Well, you hear wrong because this you is, wrote the question. Well, you asked it. <laughs> uh, this is merely the week in which um, Platini is supposed to appear in front of the uh, adjudicatory chamber of the FIFA Ethics Committee,
0: my favorite chamber,
2: exactly, the one chaired by the guy who refused to publish the Garcia report in its entirety, and uh, they have to basically decide whether to ban him or reinstate him uh, because before it was just a provisional if he is banned then he's going to appeal to Cass he's pretty much convinced that there's a conspiracy against him and they really have very very little evidence Right, that's all we've got time for today. Many, many thanks to my guests today, Rory K. Smith, Tony Cascarino, and it was a delight to have you for the first time. Kit Simons, uh, please, please, please press that subscribe button. We're going to be back next week. Uh, And remember, you can get exclusive football, rugby, and cricket highlights for free as part of your subscription. They're just £12 for a 12-week trial. Just search The Times online. and cast you're going to do that just now yes well that's bad because you should already be a subscriber till next time bye-bye
1: your subscription to the times and the sunday times now comes with access to every barclays premier league goal refresh your app choose your team accept notification and you're away